What's up, y'all? <clears throat> Welcome to the Rideshare Rodeo, Uber Lyft driver, Gig Economy News. Sponsored by UberLiftDrivers.com, uh, RideshareRodeo.com, WithPara.com, and hopefully uh, with EntreCareer.com today. As I am hopefully having run on the show. This is like my fourth attempt, people. So the little pauses you're hearing right now are me trying to get run on. I don't know what is going wrong. Um, maybe it's all that snow we had in Denver. I'm not sure. Um, but I'm, oh, by the way, I'm your host, SJ, and uh, we're going to get it on. <laughs> um, anyway, hopefully this will work and Ron will join us anytime here. This is like seriously the sixth try which is normally never an issue here. So I'm not sure what's going on. Um, but uh, let me see if you can get on now. Um, lots of news happened last week. Uh, you can get up on uberliftdrivers.com, check it out. Um, and uh, yeah, and some changes still coming to the website, uberliftdrivers.com. Uh, that uh, everybody's going to like. We do have the podcast link up now. We're going to have the projects page built by the end of this week. There's a contact page now. Uh, our social media links are from uberliftdrivers.com. And uh, as normal, just a very user-friendly interface that uh, helps you find all the news going on in the gig economy. It's not specific to rideshare. We do... Uh, we do um, uh, all of it, <laughs> app-based food delivery, rideshare, uh, and everything else app-based as well as, you know, we talk some about what affects just gig workers in general. So do a little bit of everything on this show. Um, uh, this is still, it's crazy how hard it's been for me to get run on the show today. <laughs> Um, oh, wait, I think you might be here. I see online too. Here we go. Uh, so I'm not going to get into anything here in hopes that we have them. Um, I'm going to invite him. Yes. Hopefully we will hear him some second here. Uh Let's say online too, and it is unlisted. Um, there was some sad news definitely uh, going on um, this week. You know, we had uh, three rideshare drivers killed over the weekend, um, and all. Uh, you know, I was, I was just looking at one of the ones on our UberLiftDrivers.com page um, from my home state of Michigan. There was one in Detroit. There were a couple others. These were all United States. There were a lot of abused drivers, um, obviously. And uh, oh, it looks like we have Ron. <laughs> Ron, are you there? I am here. Okay, good. <laughs> I had, right. I don't know if you Fine. I don't know if you caught it, but I said, yeah, I already said on the podcast that you know I, I think it was like eighth times the charm or something. <laughs> something <laughs> like that. 
I don't know what's going on. I blamed it on the snow. I tried to blame it on a few things. So there you um, go. <laughs> the snow is a good reason. So Ron and I are both in the same market, and uh, we did. We got we got a lot of snow, but um, not quite the pummeling that I thought we all thought might happen. At least it came a little late, but it did come hard at the end. So, um, but anyway, um, I, I I wanted to bring Ron on because. Um, we have had people on the podcast before who do app-based delivery. And then we've talked about other things on the podcast. Um, Ron kind of does a lot of what I do for rideshare and the gig economy, but he specializes in app-based uh, food delivery platforms for gig workers. So it's kind of cool. Him and I are both in the same city. So when he talks about the market, um, I actually know exactly what he's talking about, which is great. So I, I like that because I know Denver inside and out. Um, but it'll also help because, uh, we're going to do this podcast today and then in four weeks, we're going to do a live one and I'll make sure to get enough, uh, social links out ahead of time. that if you want to come join us and do text input, or you want to join us and, and get on, we can have up to eight people talking, uh, not at the same time, but hopefully, but, uh, I can bring eight people on and then we can have as many as we want in the room. We'll make it public in four weeks. Because I, when we do that, I definitely want to talk market to market. And I'm going to bring us a couple other specific people in from New York. Um, I got one in, uh, I got a few, but one in mind in uh, LA. And so we'll kind of do a market to market. We can try and get a couple smaller cities too and show you how that matters. Because I know that you guys hear me talk about this all the time. And I was discussing this earlier with Ron, but it is a huge, huge factor. And I know people understand it's a factor, but you need to understand it can be even like a make and break. I mean, it, it can be so night and day. But with Ron, um, he has the website entrecourier.com um, and um, kind of right in his name says what he does. He works these platforms. He has since 2018 when he started with Uber Eats. I know he's worked DoorDash, Grubhub, and Postmates. And like most people that I know who are doing this right now, uh, I think he's doing primarily, if not only DoorDash and Uber Eats, because that seems to be the only real ones with the money anymore in most markets, again, market to market. But um, yeah, that said, Ron, thanks for coming on. And uh, um, I don't know, let's, uh, let's uh, jump into some things and uh, sounds good. Talk yeah, about thanks what, for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's talk about your experience here in this market. Cause I'm excited that I'm having my first app based food delivery guy from my market and that, you know, it pretty well, you've been doing it for a long enough time. And um, I don't know, just it's not necessarily stories, but give us, give us a breakdown of that 2018 sure. to now timeline and, and how it's worked for you, how you've made it work. Yeah. No, I'm glad to. Um, I started out, yeah, at my, I, I first jumped on with Uber Eats. And I think my first couple of days out, I don't know, I think I might have averaged about $2 an hour after figuring in my mileage because I just took everything. And um, this, is 20, out, this is 2018, February. This was 2018, yeah. Okay. And, right. you know, figured out right away that it was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. 
I'm an independent contractor here. I got to quit thinking like an employee. And so once once I kind of figured that out and realized that I got to make my choices, um, things really changed quite a bit. Uh, I picked up Grubhub soon after that. And then DoorDash and uh, Postmates were really kind of just, you know, fill-ins if nothing was real good on either of uh, Uber Eats or Grubhub. So just to be clear while you're on that, so like here in Denver, because this is a market-to-market thing where when people listen to this, sometimes they might email me tonight or, or tomorrow after this post saying, sure. well, in our market, Grubhub's huge. And again, folks, that yep. might be the case. But I think what Ron's saying is that here in Denver, this is what he's telling you. <laughs> so, Well, and, and I'll tell you what, uh, actually, Grubhub was huge for me. Um, it Grubhub was probably... 70 to 75% of my business for the longest time. And, uh, and, and I was making, I mean, I, I was able to stay busy all the time with Grubhub and that's even with a low acceptance rate. Um, just, you know, I could turn down stuff. I could cherry pick and still stay really busy. And I would say in the last few months, Grubhub is tanked. Um, and, and it seems like they've been tanking as a company um, really in the past year or so. And so they're, they're still kind of up there sometimes, but right now I haven't done a whole lot with them. Uh, the problem is they always wanted me to send me these eight mile deliveries and, uh, my time's too valuable for that. So Grubhub was making you a lot of money and it wasn't the eight mile deliveries that it started going that way because one thing I can say yep. again from our market yours and mine here in Denver I don't see a lot we don't see a lot of advertising for Grubhub there was and I remember now back then there was but these days you don't see any you see Uber Eats and DoorDash yeah so it's just yeah and I, I you know and I definitely have noticed that um, Grubhub has a weird dispatching thing because it's all a computerized thing and they send it out in batches every two minutes so you turn down one, you know, if you look at your records, they're all odd number or even number. Uh, if you look at the times on your deliveries, you notice that. And it's like, it's, it's exactly two minutes when they send out the next delivery. But, you know, you could turn down a delivery two minutes later, you get another one. And it might be you reject two or three, but within a few minutes, you've got a delivery. But you always had a delivery coming in, and they were usually sending you offers even before you dropped off. And then in the last few months, it's gotten to be a point, and I think that Grubhub decided, Grubhub used to be pretty good, I think, at regulating the number of drivers because they use schedules, and they use these schedule blocks. And so, you know, they they could only put so many drivers on at a time, and if you didn't get on on a schedule – you might get some deliveries, you might not. And I think that when things just got so crazy in the pandemic that they just said, all bets are off, we're putting everybody on that we can put on. And all of a sudden, I don't know if it was just too many drivers. I don't know if it is that they're not getting as much business now because they've ticked off so many people or what's happened. But you know, now it's not uncommon to go, 15, 20, 25 minutes between delivery offers with them, you know, and, well, and that's, that's what Postmates used to be. <laughs> right. Maybe what happened was, you know, cause we all know that just how rideshare rideshare is coming back, but how rideshare has been the last year, 
of all the people I know who are veteran rideshare drivers did the pivot to app-based delivery as soon as the sure. pandemic hit because there was nobody in rideshare and it was all there. Maybe when Grubhub flipped, that kind of batch code you're talking about just didn't play with the amount of drivers. And it just and was, you know, it was just, I mean, not like the drivers were upset, but it just, it was failing. Maybe they were just killing their servers and, and the well, orders and that's, weren't, that's you know, things were getting all messed up. Yeah. You know, and it used to be that Grubhub was, they tended to have their act better together than anybody as far as the app itself working and all the technical side of things. And they've had more issues lately with the app glitching out. Um, they've had huge issues with getting 1099 sent out to drivers this last year. And it's just all sorts of problems that I'm not sure. I, my theory is that they must have hired somebody from DoorDash to run their tech because DoorDash used to be <laughs> terrible with their tech. And uh, it's just all the kind of stuff that you start seeing now with Grubhub that used to be on DoorDash. And it's still on DoorDash. They're still terrible. But I was uh, going to say, didn't DoorDash used to do those kind of – I don't know if it, was, if, if it has to do with the batch, but where you had to sign up for when you were going to be working or, they or, was that never, of, or was that never a thing with DoorDash? No, it's uh, so so like the way that uh, DoorDash worked, it is you've got to sign on, but you can sign on on the fly if there are spots available. So you go into, let's say, downtown and if there's if there's an available slot, then the map will light up and you can you can dash now so you, you can sign in. But it's technically it's like grabbing that schedule piece, because when you sign in on DoorDash, it'll ask you, how long do you want to dash for? And so it'll create your dash is what they call it. Okay. And so it's kind of like scheduling and you could schedule ahead of time, but if there are slots available, then you could jump on board. So do you and, get penalized then for if you don't, if you say I want to do it for six hours and you do it for one or like you no. were saying how like your acceptance goes down because in rideshare, your acceptance goes down too much and I've been doing it a long time. You were you were um, you, at best suspended, or at you know in many cases you were done. They took you off the platform. Yeah, acceptance was and, a big issue. But I hear about it in app based delivery a lot that everybody's is low. <laughs> like, well, if <laughs> if they're smart is my at least my my philosophy. But right. Um, yeah, with app-based delivery, I know, I think that there was a time where DoorDash actually used to require a minimum acceptance rate. And there was one of these misclassification lawsuits here a couple of years ago, cost them a ton of money. And part of that settlement was they had to change their terms of service because, you know. It starts crossing into the employee line. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Because that is controlling the work. And your, your agreement with these companies is not to accept so many deliveries. Your agreement is on a delivery by delivery basis, which means it starts when you accept an offer and it ends when you complete the delivery. And so what you do in between, they can't do anything about that. So you could have a 0% acceptance rate and there's really nothing that they can do now, sometimes I think they will, but they're not going to let you know that they're doing it because that gives you ammunition if you want to take them to court. But, um, you know, so acceptance rate isn't as big of a deal 
as far as being deactivated. In some markets, it can be a big deal when it comes to being able to deliver when you want to deliver. Um, with Grubhub, they have their schedule blocks and they do uh, tiers, which is like a, a premier level, a pro level, a uh, or a partner level. And premier level gets the first access to the uh, scheduling blocks for the next week. And, you know, and then pro gets second access and then everybody else gets what's ever left over when they make it available like a day later. And so uh, your, your acceptance rate would tie into that. And that was really the only benefit of having a high acceptance rate. If you could continue to get on with a low acceptance rate, then, then you were fine. If you felt like you needed to be able to make that schedule a week ahead of time, you might shoot for a higher acceptance rate to get that program level. That was never an issue for me here in Denver. I was always able to get on as much as I want. I think there are sure. some markets where that's a different story, where you have to have a high acceptance rate if you want yeah. to go out and deliver. You know, And yeah. that's the thing is every market is different. What works for me is not going to work for somebody in Omaha or somebody right. <laughs> in, you know, tiny little town in Kentucky, you know. And so um, and, and I think, you know, DoorDash, the big one is their uh, top dasher. And if you're top dasher, you can just go and dash now at any time without bothering with scheduling or anything like that. And even if all the slots are taken up in that particular zone, you could still just go on. And so some people are like, if they, they're not able to get on to a dash anywhere, they feel like they've got to have their 70% acceptance rate on DoorDash to get that. And again, that's never been an issue for me here in Denver. Um, I don't like scheduling myself on DoorDash because DoorDash uses very small delivery zones. And if you get a delivery that takes you out of downtown into another area, you either have to dead, deadhead back to downtown or you got to log out of your dash and then log into the zone where you just dropped off if you want to just pick something up from there. So, you know, there's just a lot of things like that. It's, it's always a business decision that you have to make. Is, oh, they don't, they don't keep a flow going. So they don't, if they like, so Ron's on the west side of Denver. I'm on the east side. Um, right. But if they had you downtown and you're trying to kind of work downtown back to your house and they sent you out to Park Hill where I am, all of a sudden you have to log out back in. They can't work. They don't just work seamlessly to allow you to be in that dash. No, if you are outside of that like micro zone. So like here in Denver, I think the zone runs like downtown runs from about eighth up to I-70 and it goes from Colorado over to, I want to say federal. And so anywhere in there is that downtown zone. But if you pick okay. up a delivery in there and then that takes you maybe South, outside of that zone. I know if you're outside of Denver area, you have no idea where I'm talking about, but you probably, if you do DoorDash, you understand how those zones work. If you, what do you, if you what, do you, what, do you what do you just, what do you just describe people? If you don't live in Denver is a very, is a pretty big area of Denver and it's a big yeah. city, but that's a pretty big zone. It's not a little area. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's not like just a few blocks. 
So you got a lot of freedom with that, but it's still not uncommon for you to get a delivery that will take you outside of the area. Now, sometimes when things are really busy and you drop off outside of the area, they may still have another offer coming to you. Um, But most of the time, you've got to get back into your zone if you want to get orders. Or you just have to log out of that zone and log into the one you're in, which is what I do most often. So... If they, if you can get on there and pick when, you know, like if you're the top dasher or whatever, I guess not top dasher because you can go on anytime, but if you're in those, if you're in the higher ranking who gets the first picks, but then other people, because I know we all know that the, I mean, the need for app-based food delivery has gone through the roof and it's going to continue, um, right. especially for Ron and I here in Colorado. Like I always tell people, um, a lot of people don't have cars. Well, that applies to getting food too. Um, I think that people knew about all the app-based delivery platforms and like everything, it started off with too many, too many delivery drivers. But um, now with the pandemic, I mean, I think everybody's got turned on to them. They've figured out their favorite ones. And uh, now even as we come out of it, they're going to stick with this. But I guess what I'm wondering is, so the drivers who get their shifts, okay, I've got a shift. I'm going to do this block. You were just saying like, if there's, you know, you could still drive in there and, very potentially get on here in Denver anyway, um, without having the shift. So do I get any kind, if I'm that guy that had the shift, do I get any kind of perk over the person who just comes in and turns on to grabbing orders or no? Well, if you are, and it, it just, it varies by delivery company. So, you know, looking at the big three, um, Uber Eats, you just you just log in, you log out on the fly. It doesn't matter where you are. You just go available. And right. that's one thing I really like about them. Um, DoorDash has their smaller micro zones. And, you know, and, and then there's just, you know, the availability in that particular zone. If they've got um, if they've got an opening within that time frame, then you can jump on on the fly or you could schedule ahead of time. And you know, because of the way they do it, where even when you jump on on the fly, you're still grabbing a schedule. So everything's treated the same once you've jumped on. Um, Grubhub does it where you can schedule yourself or you can just go available without being on a schedule. But I will tell you from experience that priority definitely has been going to drivers that are on schedule. Now, that changed some during the pandemic because everybody was so busy that they're just begging for drivers. So you could just go available. And I think they were giving, you know, they were just shotgunning all of the orders out there, just trying to get somebody to take orders. And so, you know, that changed for a little bit, but it's starting to get back to normal now. And so in that case, you want to be on a schedule. Um, Sometimes you can take a look and you know, the schedule is available for that time. But I have found that usually with Grubhub, if I'm not on the schedule, um, I'm getting I'm getting a really long wait between orders. And usually the orders are, you know, Taco Bells are 10 miles away. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and they're not attractive orders. <laughs> right. You're, you're getting the leftovers. Exactly. Um, but, um, Okay, so yeah, that's a it's 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 curious to me because if there's no real penalty, 
and your acceptance rating doesn't matter, but you're, um, I mean, real huge, but like, so you get your spots and, and there's no penalty to not work those spots. What's, what's the point? I don't know. I, I don't know. To me, like, I, I, if I was having my own app-based delivery, first, the first and foremost, you don't want to be exactly like the others. So maybe one thing from just what you just said that I would try and change is, you know, maybe just allow people to log on to the, to the basis needed. Mm-hmm. You know, and once, once it's at a cap, it's at a cap. And it's not by shift, but it's by flex. And if, and if somebody's turning on off, you know, that maybe that slides you back a little bit, makes it a little harder to get back on because somebody yeah. also get on. It's like, maybe there's like a 15 minute way to say, okay, I want on. And if you just leave it on for 15 minutes and, and it gets an opening, it'll say, okay, you're on. Then once you're on, yeah. you're on. But I would just think, you know, something like that, that kind of tapered the, um, you know, the need or, or the, the amount of drivers to the need for drivers. Yeah, I think, you know, and, and that's, that's why it's, you know, it's interesting. And I can't really say that there is one that I favor over the other for that reason, because, you know, let's say you've got Uber Eats and you can just go on the fly at any time. Uh, Postmates is the same way, although, you know, they're kind of getting swallowed up by Uber Eats. So, you know, that'll be interesting to watch how that happens for drivers as that merger becomes more complete. But with with uh, Uber Eats, you know, that's great. But the problem is, is that you can get oversaturated real easily. You know, there, there's nothing to stop everybody from logging on at the same time. Um, the problem then that you get into some of these others where, you know, they, they try and temper that. And, and, and keep it from getting too overwhelmed is then if all of a sudden the orders come in faster than what they're ready for, um, you've kind of prohibited enough drivers to get on to be able to handle those orders and everything. But I think this is why, to me, it is really important that if you're going to do delivery and you want to be serious about being able to either make a living of it, because I've done this full time myself, or you just want to make a significant earnings in the time that you're doing it as a side hustle. If you want to really be serious about it, the best way to maximize it is to be able to work with all of the apps, you know, get on with as many as you can. And then if you have got a situation where you're having a hard time getting on to DoorDash or to Grubhub, you've always got Postmates or Uber Eats available. And if DoorDash has one of their famous door crashes, you know, where the app goes down, which it, uh, for the longest time, it was kind of the running joke. It was door crash Friday that the app was going to crash on Friday. And, um, you know, when, when that happens, then you're not screwed out of being able to earn because you can jump onto another platform. And so if things are really running slow on one then you've got the option to jump on somebody else. And if things are slow across the board, then you could turn them all on and just grab the first order that comes along and then shut everybody else off, get your order done. But you just, you broaden your opportunities. And I look, I look at these delivery companies as my customers because they forced me into it really, or they forced us into it because they signed us up as independent contractors 
you know, and technically that means we're signed up as a business. And so if I'm signed up as a business to business relationship, you know, who's my customer? It's the one that's paying me. And ultimately it is DoorDash or Grubhub that's paying me. So they're my customer. And when I look at it that way, instead of as my employee, I think that levels the playing field quite a bit to begin with. But, you know, the other side of it is when you run a business, um, it is really a bad business idea to rely on just one customer. And I think the same thing is true if we're going to go into this with delivery or anything like that, that if you're just relying on one, then if things go south with that particular one, you're out of luck. And um, so, you know, that that's, I think the biggest thing to me is everybody's different, but I kind of like that because those differences can work in your favor and they can work against you. And sometimes it's different at different times. So sometimes it's great the way that Grubhub works and I can get on them and I can do just nothing but Grubhub. And then the next day it's like Grubhub has gone in the tank. And now I can jump on top of, you know, Uber Eats and go back and forth between them and uh, DoorDash. And so that kind of protects you from some of the ebbs and flows if you give yourself a lot more flexibility. Right. Uh, One of the things that interests me that I, you know, I still guess I don't fully understand. Again, there was going to be a potential uh, me trying out all the platforms project and there still might be. I might, you know, do the do a week of each one of these or whatever and try and hit the mark in a couple of weeks to see what happens and give my breakdown on each one. Let's see. But um, one thing that amazes me is that I see a lot on social media about people getting to the, you know, like a lot of hints. And I see them from people I, I've known on Twitter who give good information. And they're like, if you get to the restaurant and you have to wait, drop it. And I, think that to be very interesting because I, I wonder, wait, what do you mean drop it? You just drove there. I get it. I mean, I'm sure that there's yeah. a there's a meaning behind it, but and I'm sure it relates to money from the people who post these things. I would just know this, but um, I, it's odd to me. Like, why are you getting somewhere and taking that time and then dropping it? You know, for me, I, you know, I, I guess it, I, I weigh that against what am I going to get for this delivery? You know, I try to measure my time by the minute and by how much I'm making per minute. And that that helps me stay on track to a certain earnings level. So I do, I call it a 50 cent rule. Um, I'm I'm averaging $30 an hour. Well, that comes out to 50 cents a minute. So, okay, if I get there and it's going to be a 10 minute wait and, you know, right away, okay, that's, that's $5 of my time. Right. And that helps me kind of make a decision. If, if that's, um, what's that going to mean? I'm generally not going to drop it for that just because I'm probably not going to pick up another order that pays the same thing that by the time I drive to that restaurant and get to it, you know, then it's going to be there. So I've, I've become probably a little more patient with some of those orders. I think since I started doing that, I used to be that same way that it's like, if it's not ready and it's not going to be ready in five minutes and I'm done and I'm moving on, you know, it's kind of that impatience, but you know, well, I, I, think, and- I think some of what I've noticed is some markets like 
San Francisco, for example, I think that maybe some restaurants blew up so much during this pandemic while others were failing left and right. right. Some blew up so much because they were that perfect place for this kind of thing to happen, for gig delivery to happen. So it yeah. happened seamless and people started doing word of mouth, started getting turned on to that restaurant and they started seeing 10 times their business. And so I've seen people post that they get there and they're waiting a half hour and that wasn't the expectation. So they're dropping it. Oh, there's that. There's definitely that. And it varies again, it kind of varies by uh, company. Um, I had found that, you know, there was, there was a point when uh, Postmates was the best at having the food ready when you got there. And Uber Eats was generally pretty good at that. DoorDash had been really bad. Um, Grubhub would dispatch to you the same time they sent it out to the restaurant. And so unless things were so busy that they couldn't send that out to somebody, right? You know, all the drivers are busy, you know, then they would do that. But if things are even nominally slow, Grubhub would send that to the driver the same time the restaurant got it. And I can't tell you how many times I've arrived at the restaurant and say, oh, we don't have an order. And it's like, oh, there it is on the tablet. You know, they, they haven't even had time to look on their tablet to see if there's an order. And there I am waiting for the food. <laughs> and so, you know, and that's that's just inefficiency. Um, right. And, and, it, and it is that's frustrating. Why it, and, that's why it shocks me that all these companies, they're not getting, I mean, why they're not, why one isn't getting this a little more than the others. Oh, dude, I think if if any one company could figure out logistics, they could clean up because it is still a huge problem with all of these companies in that they can't get the orders delivered on time and they can't um, and, and they can't really guarantee a good customer experience. And some of that has to go with using independent contractors, to be honest. I mean, I don't want to be an employee, but I, I look at the idea of them using independent contractors and, and try and figure out how do you make that work and how do you make that work well if you can't control the people that are doing the deliveries, if you can't tell people, if you can't direct them where to go and when to go there, and, and if you can't even control the basic customer experience with the people that are delivering for you, you know, that, that just sets itself up for disaster. And um, I, I, I got to admit, I hope that they never figure that out because there's no way I'm going to work as an employee for any one of these companies. But, you know, it's just, it is, it is such an inefficient model. One person delivering one order to one customer. And sometimes they'll give you two at a time and rare occasions, maybe three or so. But it's just, it is so inefficient. And, and the problem is that it takes time. And if they charge what it really costs, I don't think enough people would order food. And, and so, but otherwise then drivers aren't getting enough money. You know, it, it's just a weird model in that uh, it just doesn't work real well. And, and ultimately what it comes down to is I think a lot of the drivers that kind of figure out how to work around the conditions in their market do well. And then the ones that just kind of take the employee attitude and just take everything, 
sometimes they're going to do great. And other times they're going to sit there and be cursing all the $3 offers because they're willing to take those offers and nobody tipped them, but they still accepted the delivery. And they're not going to do as well on others. And I think the more you let these companies take control of how you do things, the more you have the ebbs and flows, the highs and the lows. I think the more you start to take control and think of it as a business, um, the steadier. At least that's been my experience. I think I just jumped all over the map with that answer. No, no, no. I mean, no. I think <laughs> I think I think you're right. I mean, uh, obviously, I think that the app-based food delivery companies would be in even more trouble than the rideshare companies if ever anywhere comes to actually enforcing must be an employee. I don't even see how. At this point, they would just have to close shop and, and go back to the drawing board because what they're doing now wouldn't work. Um, well, I think it's it's going to be either that or what they'll end up having to do is jack up the prices on the what they charge the customer. And right. you'll lose a lot of business by doing that because you've got so many people that are still used to getting free pizza delivery from back in the day, you know, so that you just kind of they just kind of figure that, oh, delivery should be free. And right. so... You know, they're not willing to kind of pay that extra. And I think the, pand pay, the pandemic set in place a new standard, though. I mean, it did. Yeah. You know, it, I mean, we all look did. at like, hey, if you want this. And I think people who order from specific places, like let, let's say, I don't know if everywhere, everywhere, I know everywhere doesn't have this, but I'm going to use it anyway. Because I, as far as quick food in, Den in Denver, I love Chipotle. You know, it's sure. quick. <laughs> you know, it's decent. It's good food for fast mm -hmm. and uh Let's say somebody just uses one of these for just Chipotle. You know, I think they've figured out, okay, yeah, it costs me for what I usually get. It costs me $22 when I get there. When I use Uber Eats, it costs me 27 And I think right. they've just become okay with that. Like, No. Yeah, and you know what? And, and they also, I think, have gotten pretty used to what it costs. And, and, and the part that I think really makes it fascinating is what – has happened in California since they did Prop 22. You know, with Prop 22, they've got, you know, minimum pay based on time and miles and things like that. And, and it does cost the delivery companies more. Uh, they've got to pay more on those delivery fees or in, you know, whatever they do to supplement to make that minimum. And so what they did was they started implementing, you know, okay, it's going to cost an extra buck and a half on the delivery. But the thing that they did to try and slide that under the radar is they drop the amount that they're recommending for the tip. So DoorDash, you know, usually when you order from any of these companies, you order for, you know, and they'll, they'll usually kind of put a, a suggested tip of 20% or whatever, and or whatever percentage they do in your area. Well, let's say DoorDash was suggesting 20%. You know, you bought $20 worth of food, so they put a suggested tip of $4, and everybody jumps on that $4. Well, now DoorDash is suggesting 15%, so the suggested tip is only $3, and you add that to the buck fifty. It only feels like you're paying 50 cents more. You're still paying pretty close to the same thing. Well, if you keep that same tip amount and you have that surcharge, people notice that that price goes high. But, you know, the worst offender was Grubhub because they started just saying uh, zero for the suggested tip. The default was zero. And you had to go in and manually add a tip on a lot of orders. And they had a little disclaimer on there that just said uh, that 
uh, you can still tip your driver if you want to, but now that there's a minimum, you don't have to. It's kind of like, so it's really kind of upset a lot of Grubhub drivers in California, but it's just, it's just that kind of thing that it's like, it is so people understand when the price has been raised up on them. And so what these companies are going to do is they're going to increase the price, but they're going to suggest a lower tip to make it look like they're not charging more and the driver loses out as a result of it. Right. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, that's kind of crazy to me. You know, I, uh, I would, you know, maybe even another model could be, or another way of approaching this could be some companies grabbing up specific restaurants in the bigger markets to try this out, like grab three or four of the most busy ones and then just have a very limited number of drivers who take batches out of those. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I like they're do doing that. so much business that, okay, these four are all going up that way. You take them yep. and then pay the driver accordingly too, so that they're making more than they do now, but you know, not through the roof, but I mean, they're doing good. You know, here's, here's an idea that I have thrown out before. And it's one that I don't like the idea because, again, it goes back to an employee model. But I've seriously thought that if somebody could figure out a way to do this logistically, um, like I've thrown out kind of this hub and spoke idea. And what it is, is let's say downtown, you know, you've got kind of like a delivery hub. And so you've got people that just work pickup. And what they're doing is they're just circulating through the restaurants. And as soon as an order is ready, boom, somebody's in there, they grab the food, they bring it to the hub. And then, you know, you, you got to do this with technology, you got to do it. So it's real good. And then you just package all these orders in a way that makes sense to, you know, so, um, you've brought this order from Chipotle and you've brought this order from Boston market. And, you know, another guy's pulled in this order from Joe's bar and grill. And so those are all kind of sitting there at the hub and right away they're assigned to a driver. And those three orders are all going to the same apartment complex. So, you know, now you've only got, you know, one driver doing that delivery, but there's just like, boom, 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 dropping off next to each other. Which is what restaurants are used to anyway, pre-pandemic, is expediters on, on heavy volume restaurants sit there and do exactly that. Yeah. They place and, orders and so, today. These are going out together. These are going out together. These are, and then. Sure. Yeah. When I, I mean, did uh, pizza delivery way back in the day, you know, that's exactly what we did was, you know, we, we had several orders and a lot of times we'd be given four or five deliveries on one trip. And, but it was a lot easier because it all came from one place. So it was a lot easier to be, I think, a little more efficient that way with, without making everybody late. And so if somebody could figure out maybe a way to do the logistics in a way that you could get more deliveries per carrier or per delivery driver, if you could get more deliveries done per delivery driver, you could do that with employees without it driving you out of business. And you could, I think, better guarantee, you know, one, that the order is going to be taken. And two, that, uh, 
you know, kind of, you know, guarantee a little bit more of the customer experience because then you can set the standard as far as how people act, behave, you can do the branding, you can do uniforms and all those different things. And I think if somebody could put that together, but, but you'd have to have the technology be just absolutely perfect because you would just, you'd kind of need a computer to just do all that routing and figuring everything out. And just as soon as an order comes in, it's already figuring out how it's going to tie that in with other deliveries, you know, and then you just, you know, it's, it's kind of like, um, it's, it's like if you turned delivery over to a company like UPS, you know, because they do things with logistics, you know, they do things figured out in a way to be efficient. Um, DoorDash and Grubhub, don't have to be efficient because one, they're not paying by the hour. You know, right. they, they, there's no skin in the game if, if it runs late other than, you know, customers not happy. So they don't have to be efficient. They can do this crappy model of one, to, one driver to one order. And, and in fact, a lot of times they'll go the opposite of efficiency because, um, you know, let's say Chipotle gets an order and and that order is going to take 10 minutes. Well, what they're going to do is they're going to dispatch that to somebody who's 10 minutes away rather than send it to somebody who's sitting in the parking lot because that person 10 minutes away then arrives right when the order is ready. And so it it just it messes everybody up. And, and but the problem is, is even when they try and do that, it doesn't work most of the time. And so now you've got customers that are angry because it's late and you got drivers that are angry because they've been sent clear across town when there's all sorts of orders right where they're at. And so, you know, I don't know. It's like everybody's doing the same inefficient model. I think maybe there's something, maybe there's a way to do it. Like you were saying, maybe without the employee status. So maybe like without a brick and mortar building where that's your hub, maybe you could just mm -hmm. get some old food trucks and strategically place them every Friday because maybe Taste of Denver is going on, so you can't have it in your normal spot. But maybe right. each food truck, cover, one tr covers South Broadway, one covers Lodo, one covers East Colfax. Yeah. And well, then you and have just... like one or two guys running all, all the restaurants in a zone to the food truck, and then you're still independent contractors sure. who – especially since you were talking about how they work these zones. I mean, if they're already yeah. working them in zones. Yeah. Somebody, yeah. I, I think that coming out of the pandemic, somebody's going to have to come up with an idea different from just following what all these other companies do. Oh yeah. I, I think, I think the delivery industry was headed for a crash before the pandemic uh, just because one, the inefficiency on it, but two, nobody was making money. You know, they were well, losing people, money left I'll and right. Myself, I wasn't using it. And I do nope. a lot of gig, I do gig work and all this. I just, I don't think people really ever got exposed properly. It wasn't like rideshare where when it came right. around, people never want to take taxis. So they just were asking friends for rides to airport or whatever, because they just, people had given up on taxis. Well, people could still get pizza delivery or certain restaurants where they go get it themselves or whatever happens, or they take an Uber to get it. Um, but, you know, it's, I think now, I think that the pandemic hit and really 
got a lot of people on board. So I think that it's nowhere near a crash. No, but I think that right. they shouldn't just be riding the luck that they've had over the pandemic and thinking, okay, we're good. I mean, now's yeah. the time to get very strategic here. Well, you know, you look, at, you look at the fact that if anybody was given a gift, it was these food delivery companies and, and you have, the absolute best case scenario you could ever, ever, ever dream of if you're DoorDash in that everybody is kind of forced into doing delivery and the restaurants are forced into using you as a delivery company if they want to stay in business. And so it's like it was the perfect storm for these companies and they still lost money. And it was like, if you're losing this much money in the very best of situations, what are your chances of being profitable when things kind of start settling down a little bit? And, uh, and, and that's exactly. where, you know, I think they were given a lifeline, but until somebody figures out a different take on the model in some way, shape or form, whether it's with employees or figures out a way to do um, independent contractors, you know, I, it, that's going to be interesting. Uh, if, if they could somehow maybe open it up to people that could be a little more entrepreneurial. So somebody says, hey, I'm going to get together a team of five buddies here and we're going to take care of this particular thing. And and maybe we can, uh, you know, we can handle so many orders like this. And, you know, so sign up as an actual company or as an actual partnership or something rather than this, you know, hiring people as though they were employees doing almost like a hiring process, even though it's supposed to be a business to business sign up, um, you know, maybe that's a way to do it. And uh, I, I like your idea with the food trucks or something. If you could somehow, you know, create a way to have people handle zones or, or something that was a little more logistic. Then, and I, I'm just talking about the food truck just being there to service the restaurants, though. Like, yeah. basically, you could gut the food truck. I'm not talking about oh, yeah. picking up from a food truck. I'm saying make it something because we all know, like, to rent a building in Denver that would that would house DoorDash and its drivers. That's that's going to be through the roof expensive. Yeah, I yeah. mean, an expense they probably couldn't handle. And then if they run into issues, but food trucks in Denver are very lax, just like in many cities, you can just kind of pull them up wherever. Right. Right. And work it. And, you know, as events happen, you know, cause we get a lot in Denver, we get the great American beer fest. We get a taste of Denver. We maybe move food trucks accordingly, like logistically to be, you know, properly based. Cause most of your food delivery during taste of Denver, isn't going to be downtown by the parks. Well, it's going to be and, it's going to be in the outer areas where people aren't going to taste of Denver. And here's a thought, baby. When when you mention the food trucks, so what if you do this kind of like you know the Amazon drop off zones or something? So it's like okay, I'm going to order here, and and then it's like okay, um, your order is going to be ready at this food truck here. So you got your guys exactly. just kind of picking up the food and dropping it off at that truck. And uh, yeah, um, it, it's like, you know, it's like the Amazon places where you can stop in at 7-Eleven or somewhere and get your Amazon package there. Yep. 
Um, I know a lot of and people haven't if you wanted, wanted I know to a lot the of door, people still then don't want to go out. But I think that, you know, we're starting to see I mean, I know that it's weird. It's weird here in Colorado. I know that I got pretty worked up when I saw the the new uh, breakdown for Coors Field. Like you can have tw- you can only have twenty five people at a wedding still, but they're yeah. going to allow twenty one thousand per game at Coors Field. Yep. And, so if you want to get married s- with a hundred people or more, you need to do it at Coors Field at a Rockies game. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that or just hold it inside of Walmart. <laughs> I mean, but maybe that's the maybe that's the gig too. Maybe they're just planning weddings all baseball season. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just I thought I found that very weird. Like that makes I mean that's beyond not making sense. You got to start making sense. I know, I know. You know, as bad as the Rockies are going to be this year, they might have to go to something like that. <laughs> well, I mean, people might have to go to that. I mean, unless you're just doing what you do, I guess, which is how a lot of Colorado people do, but. Um, yes, there's that. But, you know, that. that said, it's just there's so much weird stuff going on. But I know that as we come out of this, some of these are going to fall. I was I was shocked to see that after a year of pandemic, now Lyft wants to get into food delivery. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like the worst time to come into it. Maybe they have an idea. I don't know. They ha- Lately, they haven't really been impressive to me. I drove Uber, then I drove Lyft for um, pretty much only lift for two years it was making mm-hmm. a killing and then right around 2017 early 2018 lift changed everything their pricing model everything and just did everything uber did everything and it but it became a much a much worse version of uber and yeah. i was finding myself going to places i don't like going longer rides for you know like not long rides that make me money long go pickups to areas i don't want to go just a lot of stuff that wasn't working. So I switched back over to Uber. I think that, you know, that these companies need to saddle up. Obviously Grubhub before Uber bought Postmates, Grubhub was on the, was on, was on deck too. Cause I know at first they wanted Grubhub. Uber wanted to acquire Grubhub. And I don't quite remember what the reason was because they were pretty close to closing that deal. If it was that Grubhub started being in talks with somebody else, I'm guessing now that even though it seems like it didn't work once there was major traffic, I'm guessing that because Grubhub's platform's a little bit different, that had something to do with it. But I think that's a lot what... of it had to do with personalities, to be honest. Um, I, I'd heard some stories that just kind of the way that they carried themselves and they kind of went into it thinking that, uh, you know, they could they could call all the shots on on the order because Uber Eats was desperate to buy them and Uber Eats kind of called their bluff is essentially the way that I understood it. But I, you know, Uber called their bluff, you know, and that, um, that's kind of the way I understood it, but I could be, I'm, I'm definitely not an insider. So, so I don't know. Okay. So it was when, you know, we talk about market to market, you even mentioned, it, I talk about it all the time. Is there, is there any advice that is kind of universal? Because we everybody sees all the YouTube channels. You see all the DoorDash people, the bigger ones, the ones you want to listen to, um, mm-hmm. good advice from them. And it comes from certain markets, but some of it's probably applicable in some degree on all markets. But is there any, for the people out there who say, this is crap, I can't make any money doing this. It's not always market to market, although often it is. 
But when they say that, is there any kind of universal advice to like, hey guys, settle yep. down? <laughs> and well, my first thing is don't listen to anybody that tells you that this is the only way to do it. You know, I, I talk about my fifty cent rule. And so for me, I say this order's got to pay me fifty cents a a, a minute. Right. And you know, and, and it's real easy for me. I see, you know, the nice thing on delivery that I think is different than a lot of ride share is you generally know how much you're going to get ahead of time. Postmates is an exception. Um, DoorDash does a couple funky things where they hide the, some of the larger tips. But, you know, you know that, okay, here's an order that comes in and it's going to be $8. And I say, okay, I double that $8 uh, to make it 16 minutes. Can I get this delivery done in 16 minutes? Because that's how fast I have to get it done to make 50 cents a minute. And if I can, then I take it. And, and it works great for me in Denver. It may not work in other areas where customers don't tip as well. So it's like, this is a great idea, I think. Um, and I think you can adjust that up or down to match your market. But just because that method works for me doesn't mean it's going to work for everybody else. So the first thing is, as soon as somebody tells you a formula, turn them off. And I don't <laughs> care if that's I don't care if that's decline now. I don't care if that's whoever it is on DoorDash, because generally what they found is, oh, this worked for me, and they're going to tell you what to do. And if they don't understand how different things are going to be in a market there's probably some other things they don't understand as well so so right like a real like thought. a real like a real basic one that i see a lot is that i see people you know who have again who have a very good rapport on social media people know them they know they give out good advice and they'll say something very generic and this even even me not doing this and i've only done rideshare for six years it, it worries me because I see things that are very generic. Like, listen, if you get if you get a apartment delivery, don't take it. Right. Oh, and, uh, and that right away scares me. Like, dude, that's not. I, I I don't even. I'm not even doing this, and I know that's not the case. I know yeah. there's a lot and of ifs and buts. So easy. It's easy to say in a city that is very spread out, in in like a Phoenix or something like that, where you've got. You know, I think a lot more people living in houses and things like that. And so the apartments are fewer and far between. But that kind of knocks out a good share of your deliveries in Denver these days with everything going up as apartments, you know. Right, so that's, that's and that's my thought is like if I'm going to if I started if I didn't know anybody and I just said I'm going to do this, I start dashing. I get on Twitter after my first night because it sucked. I start seeing these really popular people who are giving advice and they live in phoenix like you said and they're like listen bottom line don't take apartments you know after my first day not being good i might go i had three apartments today good idea i'm not doing that but that yeah. might not be a good idea at all yeah here's <laughs> you know? my my best advice and this has really been kind of the i think the philosophy behind creating the entree courier website because entree and entree courier comes from entrepreneur uh, the, the whole concept is you're in business for yourself. They signed you up as a business. Right. And, and so my whole philosophy is, okay, take them at their word then and, and treat it like a business and, and make it more about business decisions. You know, think 
and, and sometimes you got to do maybe a little more thought. Um, think in terms of how is this decision going to help you? How is it going to hurt you? How is it going to fit within your goals? Um, I do like, I, I do kind of prefer, I, I, I really do recommend, I think that you think in terms of a rate of setting your price is what I call it. Um, a lot of people say, well, we're not really independent contractors because you can't set your price. Well, absolutely. You can set your price every yeah, you time just, I mean, you, you can, reject. You... Yeah. Every time you reject a delivery, you're setting your price. And right. so, you know, think in terms of that and start, you know, and, and I think the biggest thing that I'd tell you is pay more attention to time than to the dollar amount. Um, if this delivery is going to take a long time, it's going to take a long time and it's not going to be profitable if it's a $12 delivery or a $3 delivery, you know, so um, think in terms of time and in comparison to what you're bringing in. And, and I think that will help you quite a bit. And you may not be able to get 50 cents a minute in your market, but you probably can get 30 or 40, you know, so get to understand, get to understand your market. Don't worry about making mistakes. You go out and you, you know, you, uh, it's like I said, when I started out and I'm making, you know, $2 an hour profit to begin with. And, and there for the first month or two, it was not good. And actually to the point where I was probably just about ready to hang it up, but it was probably okay to make a lot of mistakes and learn some hard lessons because then I started to get a feel for, okay, this is what I can expect. And the more you get to know the restaurants, if you're doing delivery, uh, the more you get to know um, just traffic conditions and, and all sorts of things like that. Absolutely then the better you're going to get. Um, I really recommend that you pay attention to like how many deliveries you're getting done in an hour uh, because that's, uh, that's something that I've tracked that and I've found that that is the one thing that seems to go, that seems to line up with kind of what my hourly rate is. And and I pay attention to all that. I'm I'm a geek. I track every delivery, so I, I wouldn't I tell people I do to go too, to that that's extent. That's almost exactly that's almost exactly how I started out right here. You know, I I got into yeah. it, and I, you know, I was I was hearing things from from groups in Denver, like okay, we'll try this. And at the beginning, very easy. But I learned my fishing spots. I knew where to be. And again, sure. like you were mentioning, this is your business, people. This isn't. This is again. You're not an employee. We're not there. I know that. We've mm -hmm. had a couple episodes lately where we've been talking about this, but we're not there. Right. You're, you're your own boss. I mean, yep. be responsible for yourself. And I used to, you know, a lot of it, it for me was you do have to give up a lot in life to run your, to run your own business and be self-employed. You have to give up a ton. Same kind of thing yep. here. I had to give up, you know, maybe I didn't want to work Friday nights, but I learned that Friday night was $50 plus an hour. So yep. guess what? I worked Friday nights because yeah. you have to adjust. You can't just say, well, listen, I'm working from, I work every, I try and do it every day from 11 to four and I just don't make any money. Of course you don't. <laughs> Cause nobody's taking, you know, it. <laughs> right. I mean, you might get an airport run and then you're sitting in the queue out there for four hours. That's another thing. Well, 
If you don't get a rematch on rideshare at the Denver airport, don't even bother going into the, into the staging lot. Just keep going back because you're going to be in there for three to four hours. I never understood how people sit in there and go, I don't make any money. I'm like, of course you don't. Of course you don't. Yeah. I remember I mean, staging I mean, lots from when I, I drove I've, a taxi 20 years ago. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I seriously, people have yoga mats. People watch movies in their cars. We were having people, you know, that we were having issues with people living out there in the lot. And some of mm-hmm. them would, you, you have to have your app on to get in there and then you get in the queue, but then you could just turn it off if you wanted to just live in there. I mean, they're open 24 hours a day. They've tried things like, you know, they tried things like closing it or whatever during certain times, two hours a day to clean it, whatever. But it, it just turned into this whole thing. And I was always like, I know that after making that airport run, I really would drive slow, whatever. I might even like take a quick circle around the West terminal, the East, do a couple loops and see if I got that rematch in five minutes. If I didn't, then I just booked back to whatever area at that time of day on that day would be the best area for me to be. But that took me years to learn all that. The easy things were like when American beer festivals here. I mean, that's hundred dollar cash tips to take somebody eight blocks. I mean, it was crazy money. And I had done that every year. And I make, it's like a holiday with me. I make sure nobody knows that they can't even contact me during the G, the GBAF. I'm going to have because... to rethink doing rideshare. <laughs> Well, because, I mean, it's just, I mean, you got people walking out of their hammered, having trouble finding their car. If you're like a nice guy and you're fun and you're like, hey, right here, I'm you, I'm you, bro. And they're like, yes. I mean, (laughs) that's a a $50 tip right there because you're taking them to a brewery or something and they're in town. And I mean, they're just big spenders, but that's easy. But the the tough thing is learning what nights because you can make a Tuesday night work. But you better know your town, know your market. Exactly. And when, and and when, Ron, and, and when Ron was saying, you know, like he has this 50 cent uh, way of doing it for him. You, again, remember, you know, I know we talked about using Omaha, Nebraska before. So I'll just use it again, but I'm not picking on Omaha because I don't know its market real well. But let's just say one thing I do know for sure is that the cost of living in Omaha is a fifth of the cost of living in Denver, you know? So, I mean, like, therefore you might not need to make 50 cents per minute. Right. Right. You, exactly. you need to adjust that to, again, market to market. You need to adjust that against, you know, you might not get as many rides, but maybe overall with your cost of living, your rent, your mortgage payment, whatever it is, they might all be so much lower that you you don't need to make the 50 cents. You need to make 30 to be exactly where Ron is. Yep. You know, here's here's one thing that I did too, you know, and you can call this market research or whatever. I've I've sat out sometimes without intending to take anything and I just turn on the app on a certain night. And all I do is is just record every offer that comes in. And, and then real quickly, just try and calculate how long do I think this is going to take? And that comes with experience. You, you get a feel for how fast the food's going to be ready at a restaurant or whatever. But, okay, how long do I think this is going to take? And I just do kind of a quick calculation. Will this pay, you know, how much do I think it would pay per minute? And just do that. I just did that for a couple of hours just to kind of get a feel. Okay, am I overpricing myself? And I realized that there are enough 50 cent per minute orders coming in. 
So you can do that in any market, you know, and you can get a feel for kind of what kind of standard you can set. So, right. you know, just all sorts of things like that. So it, it's like there are a lot of things that will never apply to a small town market or probably won't apply to doing Chicago that I do here. I work downtown a lot because I've learned all the little parking zones and uh, or uh, loading zones and the places that I can park. <laughs> so that I can get that you're good for five minutes. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, you, you learn those spots. Um, I couldn't do that in Chicago because Chicago is a totally different approach. You know, I mean, they, they're, they're, there's pretty much no tolerance for. Oh, right, there. right, right. Yeah. And so, yeah, the stuff that works for me doesn't mean it's going to work in, in other places, but if you've got that general business attitude, and that's, and that's, that's it. That's the bottom doing line. Doing the analysis. You yeah. have to have the business attitude. When you go into this, if you just heard from a buddy that you could make 30 bucks an hour and you go out for five nights and you do 10 bucks an hour and you're like, I worked my butt off. You didn't fail yet, people. You, you learned something. Yeah. yeah. One of two things. Either you learned your buddy's lying <laughs> or you learn, I mean, in regard, well, that could be true, but you you for sure learned that what I did is not making what I need to to make it work. So then maybe you post some questions to yourself, like maybe Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday afternoon aren't the best times. Maybe I'm going to have to give up a Friday. Maybe I'm going to have to work events like for San Diego when Comic-Con's in town. Yeah, I mean, even without yeah. a pandemic, I would imagine – coming out of the pandemic, when they go back to Comic-Con, I would imagine that's just going to be a tremendous business, but you're going to have to be willing to run it in and out of hotels and deal with traffic and all this stuff. So you're going to, you know, can you, can yep. you figure that out? If you can do it, if you, yep. again, if you can't, it's, it's, it's like a lot of people in the service industry. And I've spoke about this before. Some people just don't, aren't cut for it. And that's not a diss. It's just, some people, right. Some, sometimes it, this isn't going to work for you and it doesn't, it doesn't mean this is all, a, this is all crap. Everybody's full of it. You can't make money doing this because a lot well, of us make money doing this. So quit yeah. speaking for the whole group, you know, well, exactly. You know, exactly. It's, it's, it's not working out for you and it doesn't mean it can't maybe put in a few more weeks. If you, if you're able to, Give it a different try. Come at it from a different angle. Try something yeah. different. Shake it up. And if after a few weeks you've done that as much as you can, A, your market could just be oversaturated to the point you really can't do any better than you're doing. B, you know, you might just not be cut out for it. C, you might be getting no tips. I know some people um, dog on tips. Your market could be non-tippers. Your market could be iffy tippers or big tippers. But I mean, you should, I never counted on tips, but I did in the back of my head. I was like, that's a bonus, but I better get some at the end of the night. Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, but I counted, I kind of did the same thing. I was an hourly guy. Once I was a couple years in and I was hourly, like I need to be making at least this or this on the weekends or this on special events per hour. And then every week I would schedule myself out. So I actually was, even though I'm an independent contractor, I had a schedule on my calendar when I was going to be working. <laughs> well, but you know, 
And and there's people that will tell you that oh you shouldn't you shouldn't even pay attention to hourly because you're an independent contractor and hourly is an employee thing. I can tell you that as you know having managed and run businesses that yes businesses do pay attention to that. You are always tracking your metrics and they're always time based. And and sure. maybe it might not be hourly and sometimes it is. You know if you're running a store you know that you need to be making this much per hour to be profitable. And if you're uh, you're running a sales business, you might be looking at it in terms of per month or whatever, but you still have limits on the amount of time that you've got to be able to do those things. So it absolutely is a business thing. You know, one yeah, of the things I guess, me, you know, for me, for me, it was hourly since basically, you know, you have to, you have to have a way of tracking your expenses. There's a million ways to do it. You know, right. and it's, it is best to come up with one that works for you. Everybody says this is how you should do it. That's not the case. Everybody needs to have one that they understand that works for them. To me, I always knew gas, you know, to take into account wear and tear in the car, but it never was a break all like a lot of people make for me. And, uh, and then, you know, just kind of keep your car clean, keep it updated, all that kind of stuff. But then I knew I need to make this much hourly on weekdays, this much on weekends, this much special events. If I was working Tuesdays every week and I wasn't hitting my minimal 25 on a Tuesday evening and it went to 18 for like three weeks in a row, I revamped and switched to that shift for another one. Yeah. You know, I think one thing I'd throw in there is we talk about this whole business approach, you know, business mindset. And and I think that that's, that was the big thing for me was when I finally adjusted to kind of getting away from this quasi-employee thing and just realizing and deciding, you know what, I'm running a business. And so I'm going to look at everything like a business. And that's why I call these companies my customers. Yeah. And and that's why, you know, and, and the other side of it is, um, all right, I've got a business on my website. I, I do some advertising and sometimes I'll get some money from um, commissions on some things or something like that. But there are no guarantees in that. There is nothing that says anybody has to pay me a thin dime for anything on my website. It is completely up to me. And right. if it didn't work, it's either I'm doing it wrong or I'm just not in the right market. And or uh, or, or you you're know. doing it or you're doing it right, but a lot of things and, and people need to hear this too, time and time again. Uh, maybe you're doing it perfectly right, but you just you got to keep doing it. I mean, That's, most people yeah. most people who start a new business, and I'm not talking about gigs right now, like old brick and mortar type business. You want to be a mom and pop business? Most businesses don't turn a profit for three years. Mm -hmm. Most businesses mm -hmm. don't allow you to pay yourself for three years. Yeah. Now, that alone is worse than all the griping I hear about the gig economy. Because, yeah. oh, I didn't make this much that night. Well, you try opening a business and not having any money for three years. Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's the thing. You know, I mean, it's kind of like when you look at it that way, you know, how many businesses can you open and run a profit immediately? There's not that many. And to have everything given to you as far as like the leads or the, you know, different things like that. But, you know, you, you still end up kind of having to take, you know, I finally got to this point where it's like, okay, Grubhub doesn't owe me a thing. DoorDash does not owe me a thing. 
And, nope. and it's like, you know what, if, if they don't offer enough, then, and I decided to take it, that's my fault for accepting that offer. And, and so when I quit doing that, I quit worrying about how much are they paying me? And, and the bottom line is, is that uh, delivery fees have gone down consistently in the three years I've been doing this. What I've been making hourly has been increasing because I've been getting better at it. You know, I've gotten more efficient. I've gotten better at making decisions and things like that. And people so, appreciate the heck out of that. I know that that's how yeah. I was with Rideshare. People say you can't get tips. You can't like, man, I know how to read a person within a half a minute. I know if they mm -hmm. want to talk, they don't want to talk. If I should let them talk, if I should talk, I can read yep. that in a half a minute and I can make their trip awesome. And they're so, I mean, it got to a point where a year and a half ago with Rideshare, people got in the car just going, okay, how bad is this driver going to suck? And sure. I would make it an awesome ride and they'd be like, wow. And I'm telling you, you get tips. You get, you know, not just, you know, like, oh, you, what'd you get a five-star review? No, I got a $15 tip for yeah. a $15 ride because in a comment by them verbally to me, not in the comments, but just saying, man, I was about to never use Uber again kind of thing. You know, thank you for giving me yeah. a solid ride, being a good driver. Thank you for telling me about this. Um, I think I there's a part that. that I wish there was a little more of that in the delivery Although my whole method of deciding what deliveries I'm going to take is based on knowing what I'm getting ahead of time. You know, that's, that's one thing that's very different is I know exactly what I'm going to get. And I, you know, generally the tip is already set. There's, there are some exceptions, but more often than not, there's nothing you can do that'll get you more money. But they can that, always pull the tip after too, can't they? It depends on the platform. Um, okay. they, they definitely can on Uber Eats. And, and they're trying to make that a little more flexible on some of the others, but um, most people don't even care. And, and most people, once they've placed that tip, they're not thinking about going back in. And so there are times where I kind of wish that, okay, there was a little more that you could get for giving that excellent service, but right. you know, you, you work within what you got, but you know, the, the, the thing was, and I even got to a point where it's like, I don't care whether the customer tipped me a penny or $20 and I don't care how much I got from Grubhub. If I got what I wanted to get and what was acceptable to me, then I'm happy. And, um, but you know, when, once I started putting it on my own shoulders, it made a big difference. I love to listen to uh, Gary V or Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, his, his podcast, and he had a saying that just really stuck with me. He said, everything is your fault when you're running a business. <laughs> and that's a good thing. And yep. that's a good thing because that means you're in control. And I think yes. when I took that attitude, and that's, that's, what I, that's, that's maybe the one thing I would tell you right away is everything's your fault. But that's not a bad thing because if, if you're not making enough, it's either because you're not doing it well you haven't, and, and I think your example, Steve, is, is perfect for that, that you haven't put the time in yet to figure out how to get better, or you're just not in the right market. Because I'll tell you what, you're not going to make good money if you want to go out selling pagers because right. <laughs> there's no market for it. And you might be in a place where nobody tips and it's just not possible to make as much 
as you would in other places. And it, and it's okay if you recognize that and and uh, and you know make your adjustments and everything like that. But that's one of the drawbacks of being in business for yourself as an independent contractor and one of the best things about it. Because once I figured that out and just realized, you know what, it's still on me. And uh, if, if I'm making the wrong decisions, that's my fault. And that took 90% of the stress away because I didn't come home steaming over how terrible the offers were or how terrible the tips were or anything like that. I just, you know, I just looked at it at the bottom line or something like that. And, and if it didn't go as well, then I'd ask myself, okay, what could I have done differently? Was I out on the wrong night? Did I do some of the wrong things? Did I take the wrong orders? Did I go to the wrong part of town? And usually I could find an awful lot more about what I did that could be changed than anything else. But that becomes very freeing because now everything's your responsibility. And even though it's hard to take the blame when things aren't going well, it also means you've got the opportunity to make it better. And, and that's huge. Yeah. You know, I've, I've seen the, the people that have doubts too, that I've seen where, you know, some people sign up, they try something and a week later they're like, I'm done. This doesn't work. It's all lies. It's a scam. But the people mm -hmm. that I've seen people who also think that way, who have a 10 to 15 hour gig a week that's set in stone. Maybe it's even employee part-time who are like, I want to take this on. And they seemed those same type of people seem to put in a little more effort to make it go. And I knew when I got into this, because like Ron, I've ran businesses, I've done things like that. So I knew this is going to be on me to make the money. But mm -hmm. I've seen that people who even aren't in that mindset who have a 10, 15 hour job might do better at trying and really sticking it through on the tough days where you're just like, dude, seriously, this cannot be what you make doing this because I'm losing money. Because to yeah. be honest, you might lose money for a few. I mean, you're going to have some nights in the beginning if you have never done any of this. And let's say you have barely any service, ex uh, service industry, industry experience, you might lose money a little bit. But if you're business-minded, that shouldn't be a lost night. That should be a very important night where you learn. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. What, what you did, what you shouldn't do, what you could change. Um, but yeah. Um, so, you know, one thing that I, that Ron and I talked about a couple times today, cause we, we got to wrap this up, but, um, <laughs> uh, but is market to market. So what I want to do is um, I think it's Tuesday, April 13th. We we'll do a live podcast and Ron, if you can come back, we I'd love it. Um, yeah. And uh, I want to get some people that I know who do delivery in here too. And we're going to open the room up to everybody. So I'll put out social, not like the last time we tried live when I did it like 20 minutes before I'll put it out a week before everything. Everybody's welcome to come on in. Um, we'll invite a few people to be guests on the call in because we can have eight at a time. And maybe as one leaves another can come but. Um, we also have a in the room when we do it live and I send out the link, you can input a message, a question. So you don't have to come on to the call. If you have a question or you have a comment or a concern or something. And I just want to talk market to market about 
app-based uh, food delivery because I've been seeing this crazy thing where you can't do this, but I always see it going from one market to another. And I already know this can't be done. You can't do this. You guys can talk about your two markets, but you can't base it on that because you don't know mm -hmm. his market and he doesn't know yours. Exactly. And, you know, we all live in different places, you know, again, you know, uh, Jason Peason, uh, drive to win 13. Shout out to Jason. What up? Um, he lives up in Boise, Idaho. Um, he makes it work yet. I've seen a lot of, of people complain about how can you make it work up here? He makes it work. He was a rideshare driver for years. As soon as the pandemic hit, he pivoted to all the platforms for mm -hmm. app-based food delivery. And he's made it work the whole time. Yep. And because he made his rideshare business work, he uh, he was able to instantly understand app-based food delivery, get it very quickly, and go, okay, I got this. And I think he even took off past people who had been doing it up there for a couple of years because he'd sure. been doing rideshare for four. A lot of people have been doing app-based food delivery for a year, year and a half. Pandemic hit, he, he pivoted. And I think he did better than a lot of people who were only doing it prior to the pandemic the app-based food delivery almost out of the gate because he got the area. He understood. He knew it was his business. And yeah. I think that's a big part of it. Is, is, and Ron kept saying it in this, in this episode is that this is your business. And that's where I think a lot of people and a lot of the confusion with the employee status happens. You know, if, if you don't want to put in the time, you don't want to make it work, you don't want to, when you're not working, think about it and what you could be doing better. And, you know, take notes and, and, and mark down things that you notice so you can go back and re-look. Re you're probably meant to just go get a job. And that's not a diss, you know, because, no. I mean, you're, for the people who want that, they're fighting for jobs anyway. We just want a job in, in medical insurance. Well, go get it. It's out there. I mean, if that's yeah. all I wanted was minimum wage and medical insurance, I could probably be working by this evening. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> I mean, uh, I don't, I, I again, mar again, market to market. Ron and I live in Denver, and I think Ron can back me on this. I can go get a job today, right now. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Not, not like back in the day when you wait for a call to see how your interview went. I feel like I could go into somewhere, sell myself. If all I wanted was minimum wage, and uh, health and benefits, I could do this today. I could go, maybe not even a place that's hiring. I feel like confident in myself enough that I could go up to them, explain to them what I could. I mean, it's just the jobs are there. And especially right now, if that's what you want, they're there. Don't, yeah. you know, I, I would tell those people, and I've said this before, don't, don't push to be an employee of a company or as Ron, and Ron refers to it in a good way, as a customer. You know, when I was brought into rideshare, it was called, you were called a driver partner. You were a partner with Uber, but I like the customer way. Cause I know it's a little confusing because you have a customer at the other end too, and you're yeah. not a middleman, but you are. So, I mean, so if you think of those companies like customers, it's not up to your customers to make sure you're doing well. Yeah, I call so, it a, uh, a customerception because it's uh, like the movie inception, you know, you've got, you've got Grubhub as your customer, but, the store is their customer and the, the customer is their customer. So it's like a customer of a customer of a customer or something like that. And without <laughs> their, and without their database and there's, you know, as much as you want to complain without their database, 
and they're putting out orders, you you couldn't go make any of this money. Right, right. Not if I mean, not you unless might, you're willing you know, to create the contracts with the restaurants themselves or something. And even then right, which, you're relying then, on the but, restaurants selling the food. Exactly. <laughs> and even and I was gonna say, and then you're talking about really owning your own business and almost creating your own platform. So if you if you yeah. think that this doesn't work, that's not gonna work for you. You can't go out and create a whole new model that's gonna work if you don't yep. think this works at all. If you if you think people are crazy and this doesn't work, you cannot make money, then again not to be mean, but, you know, go get the job that you are looking for minimum wage and health insurance, because it's almost like not to be mean, but get out of the way so that the people who know how to do this can make money. Yep. And that's the thing that I think, and maybe that's, that's one of the important things that somebody has got to recognize is just to know themselves. And, and it is this thing that when you go into the gig economy, you have to go in understanding that, Nobody owes you a thing. There is no guarantee. Um, none of these people have to give you any business. And and if that bothers you, if you need the guarantees, that's fine. Then go get yourself into a situation where you get those guarantees. But the problem is, is when you want those guarantees and you sign up a contract that says you don't get any of those guarantees, but you want the kid, you want to force them to give them to you anyway, and that's that's not right. Oh, it's a, no. it's a weird thing because <laughs> the honest. I mean, let, to, let's be honest. If if they had to rely on only people that are perfectly okay with not getting the guarantees, they're not going to get enough people to complete all the deliveries. They want to hire people that think like employees. But that's how they exploit you is they get you on because you, you're going to think that they're going to give you these employees or give you think that you're going to get these guarantees. And so you end up thinking and acting like an employee and just doing everything that they tell you to do, whether it's good for you or not. And in the end, you end up getting disappointed. But, you know, I, I think the key to really being able to thrive in the gig economy is you, you got to be okay with the fact that there's no guarantees and, and, and that you realize that the upside is a whole lot better than what those guarantees are anyway. And, yeah. and if you're not okay with that, that's okay. But if you're not okay with it, then, then go get into something that gives you the guarantee. Right. Exactly. Because there's a lot of us who do make it work in, in, in almost all markets. So we say market to market, but even in the markets that are different from ours, there's people who make yep. this work where they're happy. So, you know, don't, don't, don't try and crush it. It's just not every job is for every person. I mean, I could, I could sit here and probably all day name off jobs. I'd be horrible at. But I mean, like, you know, I give my all to a job where I would just know I wouldn't give my all to that or I wouldn't do good at that. I wouldn't like that. Exactly. Um, you know, try. I mean, right now is a time where there is a lot of jobs out there, to be honest. I mean, so go out and get one. I mean, you know, if that if that's what you want. Otherwise, if you want to run your own business, I mean, this really is. And it's always being it's always being revamped. So I know everybody thinks it's always a downward trend, but maybe out of this pandemic, when there's le I mean, there's going to be less drivers, 
And they've already been through such a huge pool of people in this country, you know, that they might have to revamp not just the pricing of customers, but the pricing to us drivers to be able to keep the good ones on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to matter. You know, maybe maybe they won't stop keep following each other. Maybe Lyft will stick with staying cheap. Maybe Uber will say, hey, we need to raise prices and get drivers paid a little better. And it might not balance like what they raise the price on a customer to what they pay the driver won't be exact because they're going to want to keep a little more because Uber doesn't make any profit, never has. Nope. nope. So, I mean, at one point they're going to have to. I mean, they are public now. Yeah. So a lot of people's statement is, you know, when when they were just private, you know, they it was just a way for people to invest money and wash some money and this. Okay, well, they're public now. So that's not the case. You know, yeah, I mean, exactly. this is what it is and it's, it's real. So, uh, but with that said, Ron, I wanted to thank you so much for coming on and if check out his website at, uh, entrecourier.com and he is mm-hmm. at entree courier on Twitter. I don't know. Do you have a Facebook presence? Uh, yes. Yeah. I think everything I've got is, uh, I'm even on LinkedIn under entree courier. Okay. So, so, okay. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, I, know, I don't do I know as much on those, but Twitter's where a lot I'm of our, the most active. I, I know that like lifting with Larry, I had on a few weeks back, and he's he's on a he's on a few, but his primary one is Instagram. You know, so like I, yeah. I know that that's his main social one, and I, I really don't optimize Instagram much. But yeah, again, I keep getting notices that somebody's following me, but I haven't put anything <laughs> up for months, so <laughs> I but, should pay more um, attention to that one. But yeah, I'm looking forward to in four weeks, kind of bringing on some other people, and let's and let's have that talk because that's going to be just about a year when the the mid April was just about when the app based delivery went from complete crap to ton to its best ever overnight, and yeah. rideshare went from what it whatever it was in your market to complete crap overnight. Yep. Yep. So it, it was like mid-April. So I think that in four weeks, that'll be one year. And I think that having a few different markets in here talking, I think it might shed some light. So we will provide that link because I'm interested to hear from everybody. And uh, I'd love to know, even if you just want to log on quickly and tell us, hey, I'm in this market and you can just type it. You don't have to be on the call. Um, we'll provide the link and just type it in. I'm in this market. This is what I average an hour or this or propose some questions. We'll have some smart people on who know about this. and. Uh, you know, hopefully, even if they're not in your market, we can give you some good sound advice. But uh, I think the discussion, I want to do the same thing with Rideshare, but I want to wait a little bit longer till it's back um, a few more months. But uh, I think that um, that would be a good learning lesson for everybody because market to market is an issue we deal with all the time. And people emailing me or, you know, saying it to me that hey, this is you just can't make that much. And I'm like, man, you know, you're not you're in a market I don't understand and you're in a very small town. It's not a diss, but you know, cause a lot of money can be made in those towns, but if a ton of people are doing it, maybe not, I don't, you know, yeah. it, and that's another thing, you know, a good business person will realize that I'm not doing yeah. a bad job. I'm doing this. I've followed all the t- kind of tips. I've, I've weeded out the ones I don't like. I know that this would work, but it's not working. And that might be the case. If it is, don't, terminate your account just don't work it for a while and see if and go do something else and if in a few months you want to try it again maybe you see it's working i don't know sure yeah that's you know that's that's the big thing and you know because like to me it's like i've i've always 
at, at least after that first couple months, done pretty well at this. And, and there's times I kind of get a, a big head on my shoulders. Yeah, I'm great at this. And then there's other times it's like, well, wait a minute. I am doing delivery in a place where pot is legal. And you got a lot right. of people that are <laughs> baked and they got the munchies and they don't want to go out and drive. <laughs> and, and, and they're likely to tip a little bit more because they're in a little bit of a good space or something. So that's different right. than in a lot of other places. So, you know, it, it's just it's being aware of what there is around you. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I, and a market's a market. I know people want to, I know that if some people uh, like I've actually met some people, um, I had a bachelor party of a rideshare driver that I know pretty well, uh, from Austin. Um, he came out here and, um, he and his three buddies, uh, you know, I made them at home. I, I toured them around while they were here. They were here for like three days and they wanted to do their thing. And, uh, um, you know, it's, it, it's just, it, it was interesting because to see him come out from Austin, which is another decent market, he was like, wow, you could bank out here. And I was, and it was kind of interesting to see that. Cause I was like, you do really well in Austin. He's like, I could bank out here. Like he's been a rideshare driver <laughs> for years at the time and he could, he could already sense it. He's like, dude, mm. I can just, I can just tell I could bank out here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, you know, that said people, it's, it's a business. If you're, if you're, if only do this, if you want to have your own business and be responsible for it, you know, that's, that's the first thing. Don't, if somebody told you, you can make a ton of money. Don't think of it as a job. You know, you got to think, am I ready to own my own business and operate and learn? And do I have the time, patience and funding to get me through four to six weeks while the learning curve is going on, because if you don't, all these things matter, you know, you don't want to try it for two days and go, screw it. It doesn't work because it might, and it might've even worked for you. So just make sure you plan it out a bit, you know, make sure that, I mean, I don't know with food delivery, it doesn't matter as much, but I know with rideshare, clean car, huge. That's huge mm -hmm. to people. People yeah. hate dirty car. They hate stinky car. They hate, um, you know, there's a lot of things that if you don't do them, you know, you don't have to go back to the days of giving out a granola bar, a water and whatever to every person going four blocks. But I always had water in the back for uh, airport trips. You know, mm -hmm. did I ever offer them to people going 13 blocks downtown? No, <laughs> absolutely right. not. But I had water and that kind of like I, I could have. I had some extra accommodations, you know, I mean, back in the day I ended up getting rid of it cause I had too many drunk girls screwing around with it, but I used to have a mini cable and let people plug into my music, you know, finally, like I had about three of them stolen and they're just really cheap cables, <laughs> but I was like, I'm not replacing it anymore. I don't care. I'm not letting anybody control my, cause I'd have too many drunk girls just blaring things and, you know, getting a little too yeah. crazy. So, but yep. anyway, Ron, thank you for coming on. And uh, thank guys, you. Check out his check out his website. We will be back here in four weeks to talk a little more app based food delivery in a different setting. And uh, I think it'll be beneficial to people. It. Yeah, yep. I do too. All right, thanks, Ron. You bet. Thank you. Have a great one. So, um, 
hopefully that was uh, beneficial. I know we ran over again, you guys. Um, some of these interview uh, ones the past few weeks have just, the conversations just got going a bit. Um, we will get it back down to our hour target. It's just hard. Um, I think that, as I've said before, that I end up uh, adapting the podcast sometimes as it's gone along. You know, we've had hour and a half. We've had hour, hour, hour where I got to, you know, where it was an hour almost every time. And then we got to a couple minutes that were 30, 40 minutes. I think that my new target, and after almost a year now, um, and by the way, um, we have a couple other podcasts that I will post that are coming up. But on our year anniversary, I am going to have Jason from uh, GR Rideshare Adventures um, or the Gig Economy Podcast now, um, one and the same. But I'm going to have him on the show. He's ran one of the longest podcasts for Rideshare and the Gig Economy um, out there. He's been doing it over four years. Uh, I'm not talking about just YouTube channels. And you guys, if you, you maybe have heard of him before, um, Jason uh, knows a ton about the industry and uh, quite the podcaster too. Knows a lot of tech stuff with uh, doing podcasts. And uh, we're going to do something fun here for the year anniversary, which is coming up. But um, one thing I've learned is to adapt. And uh, I think the new target for me is going to be start to end on a podcast is going to be 50 to 70 minutes. That's going to be my target. Um, if I go a little outside of it, under, over, don't kill me. Don't shoot the messenger. But uh, um, that is going to be the target. I'm going to try and get it within there every week. And uh, if we go over, you know, hopefully it's for a good reason or whatever. And uh, the only other time that I think that we may step outside of that is when I do a live broadcast. And I think that we're going to try and start doing one of those like one a, one a month. So and see how that goes because people really seem to like it. We got a lot of good feedback last week. Um, the only bad feedback I got was that I, I gave nobody any notice at all. They're like, dude, you can't just post on Twitter 20 minutes before that you're going to be live in 20 minutes, get on. And, <laughs> and I did, I did do that, you know, but I didn't plan on going live. Um, it just kind of was with the topic and with the previous week, what we had talked about, I felt like this would be best. So, um, 50 to 70 minutes on a normal episode, that's my new target. Um, on a live episode, it'll be the same, but if it goes over, it'll probably be well worth it. And I'm sure it'll be because there is discussion going on amongst multiple people in multiple markets. That said, um, thank you for joining us this week, and uh, we will see you back here next week on the rodeo. Peace.